2: All right, folks, you know what you clicked on before we even start with the normal start. We want to talk a little bit about everything that's currently happening. We're very, very fortunate to be a part of Blue Wire, who is donating $5,000 to Black Lives Matter and other organizations, speaking for myself. And I would assume Nathan's right along board with me here, where, like I said, we're we're very fortunate to be um, to be a part of Blue Wire, to be a part of Rotoviz, and um, to have a voice, to have a platform to not only be able to to talk to you guys, but you know just be be around. Uh, obviously, we're probably not really looking for that getaway right now because we want voices to be heard. We don't want to take away from what's going on. We don't want to be the distraction, but we want to be here for some content. If you are looking for it, uh, I will say we don't want to do the uh, stick to sports posts. We're we're, we're not about that. Uh, we wanted to take the opportunity to to mention at least that what Blue Wire is doing, and and like I said, I'm I'm ecstatic that that they were able to do what they did and to be a part of it. So, um, make get out there. You know, make, like I said, make your voice heard. Be, be a part of it. Be a productive part of it. And, um, stay safe. We're, we're here with you. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Nathan, do you want to <laughs> add anything to it? Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll just, you know, piggyback on everything you said. Uh, stay safe. Do, uh, what you can do. Do what you want to do to support your community and, uh, the area around you. E- even if that includes your Twitter community, you know, a lot of us are, you know, as much of our Twitter community as our, you know, local community. So support any community you can in terms of what's going on and, you know, do what you need to do.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Be, be a part. Let's all work together to bring change because we desperately need it. So with that now, <laughs> um, uh, it, it's tough. We We aren't ever really serious here, but this is one where we have to be, at least for that, because it needed to be said. So, welcome to the Dynasty Tradecast. Uh, my name is Dan Sanio. You can find me on Twitter at FF Dynasty dan. We already mentioned my bestest of friends, Mr. Nathan Powell, on Twitter at NPowellFF. And... Today we are going to talk a little bit about some rookie values potentially, some some third round picks or later, some guys that maybe slid in this somewhat deep draft class, and you know hopefully hopefully have some constructive talk, maybe get a few needles in there. And uh, Nathan, how are you how are you feeling about this this kind of back half of rookie class?
1: I, I like it a lot. I, I do – I think that it's a very good class if you just adjust expectations. I think that a lot of times when we talk about a loaded class or a deep class, you sometimes assume, okay, a third-round pick means a second-round pick. It really doesn't. A third-round pick just means a good third-round pick in a loaded class. And so I, I think that one of the things that we're going to talk about today is the road to relevancy because oftentimes if a third- and fourth-round rookie pick doesn't get to relevancy in his rookie year – they just get overtaken by next year's third and fourth round rookie picks. They end up getting cut. They end up being in the bottom of your rosters. So it's important to at least get your uh, your foot in the door somewhere, go through production, or even if it's just like, you know, some hype and practice. But basically, we have to talk about these guys and how they're going to get their name known enough that they're not replaced this time next year.
2: Yeah, it is a vicious circle. And like you said, they it just kind of continues to be the they, – they either stick – which that hit rates pretty darn low um, or they get replaced some guys hang around for a few seasons and and show a little bit of life but for the most part you're you're taking these you know free dart throws and hoping to get anything out of them even if it's a slight boost in value we're able to flip it for something different uh, something a little bit more valuable than, than kind of where you picked or what it was worth to you so there's a lot of intriguing names on here there's some guys I'm i'm a little bit surprised are going you know 25 and later assuming a a 12 team format and um some names i'm i guess a little bit surprised are going that high some guys i would think would be either undrafted types or maybe fourth or fifth round picks if you have that deep of of a rookie draft um well, go ahead. And,
1: and we, and just to be clear, and maybe Dan doesn't even know this, but we aren't going in order here. I'm I more, so no, just no, threw no. The, I, I threw the names that were interesting or had some sort of route to playing time in 2020. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll go through that list and kind of, as we go down the list, we'll get some, some of the more deeper names, but uh, we will start uh, today's list with Lynn Bowden, uh, third round rookie running back, going to the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, We will talk. I mean, I I won't say most. All of these guys we're going to talk about tonight are running backs and wide receivers. Basically, QBs and tight ends in this range. I mean, yes, Tua and and uh, Herbert were third round picks in some leagues. We're not counting those. We're talking about guys in that running back, wide receiver range of how they're going to be fantasy assets because that's more intriguing than saying, oh, well, Herbert just needs to start over Taylor and then he's going to be fantasy relevant. No one cares about that. (laughs) Um, So we're talking running backs and wide receivers tonight, and Lynn Bowden. Uh, the running back who also could be a wide receiver. uh, And the one thing with the running backs is that the easiest route for any of these running backs to get playing time is a hurt, you know, starter in front of them. But I think that Lynn Bowden is a little bit of an exception to that, that he's going to get some, you know, run either way. He's gonna get, you know, get that kind of like wildcat role that doesn't really exist anymore. Or, you know, uh, this this running the wide receiver sweep role that Debo Samuel had last year. So there's gonna be a number of ways that the ball gets in Lynn Bowden's hands without Josh Jacobs getting hurt. But also I'm not even sure that a Josh Jacobs injury puts Bowden in, in any sort of a workhorse role. I think that just puts Jalen or more in that role with uh, Lynn Bowden being pretty much in the same role, maybe a little bit elevated in usage. So uh, what are your thoughts on Bowden? Is there a route to
2: relevancy this year? Well, I I think, I mean, I guess relevancy is, is a little bit subjective, but uh, he's going to be the Swiss army knife type guy. He's going to be all over the field. He's not going to play one position because I mean, he was drafted at one position. People had him on boards at other positions. He, he can do a lot of things and he's, he's, I mean he's a playmaker. He's he's explosive. Um he put up big numbers in 2019 at Kentucky. That's kind of what everybody wanted to see, you know, that's that late that late breakout type player that we talked about last week. And you know, rushing for like 1500 yards as a listed wide receiver is, you know, obviously he wasn't just playing wide receiver. He really wasn't even used that much in in the passing game as uh, as his in his junior year he was used a lot more as a sophomore well, he, he, well, he played cornerback in, right. in his junior year so <laughs> right so i mean he did everything literally everything and as a sophomore he did catch 67 passes which right there that's looking looking at vegas and what they like to do it seems to be that jacobs even though he is very usable in the passing game is only going to be used as a pure runner and they bring in Bowden to be that, you know, that change of pace, that that pass catching potentially, the scat back, Swiss Army knife type. And I think there's you can make a genuine case for him to have some viability. I mean, as soon as like mid season, once everything starts to click, a lot of times with rookies, especially drafted in that range, they're a lot of the time takes a little bit longer for them to get there. So I feel like he could not necessarily be like an every week starter, but he could see meaningful touches and we could start to see that, that curve form where maybe 2021 is the year where he's that new James White type, if you will, because Oakland or Oakland Vegas doesn't have a ton. They have who they drafted, Henry Ruggs. They have Darren Waller and, a bunch of dead bodies and then Lynn Bowden. So uh, I obviously Josh Jacobs barring injury is going to dominate, you know, touches on the ground. And I think they'll keep Jalen Rashard involved in the passing game, but they brought in Lin Bowden to be a, a, a difference maker, honestly, because he can be.
1: Yeah. And I, I will say that Lin Bowden certainly does lower the upside of, of Josh Jacobs, people were hoping that he would be, be, I mean, obviously he came out of Alabama as one of the better uh, pass receiving backs and he wasn't in that capacity in his rookie season. And I think that, you know, they're going to end up trying to use Lynn Bowden more in, out of the backfield than Jacobs, but we'll, we'll see how that develops. Um, but for, for, for Bowden and his fantasy relevancy, I think it's mostly in best ball. I think he's going to have a couple, you know, 20 point weeks, but I think most of his weeks are going to be in that zero to six point range where you're not really going to want to be starting him. Um, And it's going to be hard to predict when that big breakout game is going to be. But I will say of the names on on this list, he's one of the higher drafted ones. And he's one of the ones that has some at least some long term potential.
2: For sure. Yeah, I I think ideally, if you're playing a lot of best ball leagues, he's that he's that best ball dart throw, because I think that's going to be where his big value is. He could have a couple of big time weeks and then the rest of it's probably going to just be inconsistent usage.
1: And next we'll move on to Anthony McFarland, fifth round pick from the Pittsburgh Steelers out of Maryland. I was a fan of McFarland as a, as a Debbie player. He is a huge speed guy, high, high yards per carry throughout his college career. Uh, dipped a little bit in the draft, but I think it was somewhat expected due to his size. And now looking at his possible role for, for 2020 – James Conner is kind of an enigma of sorts with, with dynasty value and, you know, in the NFL in particular. He's not a particularly great athlete. He kind of f- found himself in the starting position for a very good offense in 20 in 2018 and then kind of battled injuries in, in 2019. So as we enter 2020, at the very least, uh, James Conner is a question mark, and there's not much else the running back position in Pittsburgh. So there's a a good bit of upside with McFarlane here. And I think that he's going to be involved regardless.
2: Yeah. I mean, you still have Benny Snell who, you know, he's whatever. He's not amazing. I think he's a fine depth type back. You still have Jalen Samuels, who I see more as that H back type that, that Delaney Walker ish who can play running back, but probably shouldn't. And then, you know, obviously with James Conner, I think James Conner has a nice 2020 and and then they probably just move on unless he's going to take a big time, you know, home team discount and, and stick around. The thing for me with, with McFarland is just, I mean, he was pretty not good at all in 2019. You know, he, he, he flashed, he looked a lot better as a freshman. I will say that I don't think that's really debatable. Obviously Maryland isn't very good so that that doesn't help but he didn't create much for himself in in you know in his second playing season so I don't know this one I'm I'm kind of indifferent on I I don't think I'm going to have any shares just because there's a lot of the guys on this list that when I'm drafting in the third round I'm taking over McFarland Uh, or somebody else is reaching because they see a a little bit cleaner path to touches. And I'm not saying that there isn't a somewhat clean path to touches, assuming whether it's Benny Snell who either is or isn't going to play, whether they put Jalen Samuels back in the backfield again, James Conner could stay healthy. There's a lot of names, but kind of inconsistent as far as health and, and usage. So, I mean, I can see the line. I just, I'm not in love with the player. I get it. I do. But, Based on the, his most recent work, I'm probably passing on McFarland.
1: Yeah, I I actually don't have any shares outside of my, my Debbie shares that I had. I, haven't, I didn't acquire any at that late second, early third price tag uh, throughout the rookie season. So we'll move on to Van Jefferson, second round wide receiver, going to Los Angeles Rams from the Florida Gators. So the Rams are a bit of a mess. It's they go back and forth between a great NFL offense to absolutely terrible the last, uh, you know, the last two years and they traded Brandon cooks. And so now it's Cooper cup and, uh, and Robert Woods. And then Van Jefferson is the developmental project entering this offense. I, I don't see much of a path to fantasy relevancy in 2020 with, with him, unless the 2020 Rams offense is the 2018 Rams offense at, at what we saw from Goff in 2019, I don't see him a, a guy who can support three wide receivers.
2: Yeah, it's it's hard to not say that, that the one year where they were able to do that was an anomaly. I, I mean, it's I, I think the offense can support two at a pretty high end. I, I just don't know that it's going to be three. I think you could have that third one being somewhat relevant, maybe a few giant weeks, but never consistent usage. And, you know, the, I mean, Josh Reynolds is there, but I, I don't think a whole lot of him.
1: Man, yeah, I mean, jo-
2: Josh Reynolds is not getting in the way of a second round pick. <laughs> no, for sure. I, I, and that's the big thing here. And, and why it's surprising, I guess, that he's going a little bit later and, and there's a lot of like really mediocre running backs going in front of him is that he was a second round pick. And with how much people lean on like route running and separation and all of that stuff. I mean, that's what Van Jefferson's really good at. He's like a high end route runner. And I mean, he can win because of his route running. Um, I, I feel like, you know, a four star recruit in Florida should have probably been higher on people's boards. And then the fact that he was a second round pick and just, nothing changed. Yeah. I mean, he's basically what we, you know, what we see in Adam Thielen, not this most athletic breakaway, like going to jump over anybody, but I mean, he, he's a football player. He he can run those routes or crisp. He's that's, I mean, that's definitely his strength is his route running. And I mean, if he's going to be open, it's hard not to see him finding a way to, to produce aside from Robert Woods and Cooper cup, that's really going to be the only thing holding him back because I I think he's going to be somewhat viable.
1: Yeah. And I I could see him taking some of uh, the Higby productions last year, Everett production uh, from last year, not saying that he serves any, any sort of the same role, but more so like when you have three good wide receivers that are healthy, that hurts the tight end essentially. And I think that could end up happening for Jefferson but i do think that he'll be sort of more of a developmental role he'll he'll be on the field for most snaps so he'll get the, some targets but i just i'm not sure i see him starting him in 2020 without a cup
2: or or woods injury yeah for sure and again and a lot of these type of guys are they can be that somewhat okay best ball asset where if if i had a late second rookie pick in a best ball draft maybe I'm going for the Van Jefferson because the upside is pretty darn high and he's going to have big weeks. It's just I don't see the consistency at least right away.
1: All right, let's move on to Baltimore and their pair of wide receivers that they drafted, Devin DuVernay and James Proch. Uh, DuVernay from Texas and James Proche from SMU, so both from the state of Texas, at least from college. Uh, DuVernay has been one of my targets. Uh people have cited a number of times uh i believe it's uh bobby Koch uh or Koch uh has mentioned that duvernay ran pretty much all of his uh, routes out of the slot and that's where lamar jackson feasted in the passing game in 2019 uh so you know that serves well for Devin duvernay and I, i i do caution those stats a little bit because i do think that you know Brown is still going to be the wide receiver one target. It's not going to be like, oh, well, just because I only throw to the slot, I'm not going to throw to Brown right now. Uh, <laughs> so I like DuVernay uh, at, at his price tag in, in the third round. He was a 3rd round NFL draft pick. Um, and I, and I, I weirdly have a large amount of approach. Of I have him in uh, four out of my 16 dynasty leagues um, just as a you know free dollar target in, in auctions uh, just because I, I, I do know some draft Twitter guys that were liking him uh, pre-draft.
2: Yeah, so Proche is somebody I, I didn't know a ton about. Uh, I that was one of the um one of the uh, the draft guys that I I just never really figured out, I guess. I, I mean, again, he's that slot type that Baltimore obviously seems into having. Um they still have Mark Andrews who's going to have a massive role. Obviously, Hollywood Brown is going to be their their outside playmaker guy. And like you, I have all sorts of Devin Duvernay. I think he fits in better there. I think he's. I actually think he's a really good football player. I was kind of surprised that they added Broche right after they got him. But I guess if you like having depth at where those guys can win and where they where they feel comfortable and kind of where the offense wins that makes sense I just I I see I see DuVernay as as another one of those guys that I'd be taking in the second before I'd be taking Prosh in the third I I feel like he's got really nice upside and could be one of those big time risers that we you know kind Mm -hmm. of look for in again in this territory for sure
1: and I, I think that out of all the guys we'll talk about today DuVernay might have the least like resistance to being productive in 2020. Like the the only real resistance at this point is how much is Baltimore going to pass the ball and they're going to pass the ball enough to have two fantasy relevant wide receivers.
2: For sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think the offense is going to continue to be explosive. Obviously they add a running back, uh, still have Mark Ingram and you know, the MVP and Lamar Jackson. So it's it's going to be a fun offense. We'll see we'll see what they can do. I some you know one of these other wide receivers has to become. Like I guess I don't have to, but you would assume a second wide receiver in an explosive offense like this is going to find some some real work. And maybe it ends up just being Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, and we get stuffed on these ones. So there is always that possibility. I just feel like them getting Duvernay the way they did, he's going to have a role for sure.
1: Let's move on to Tyler Johnson, fifth-round pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from Minnesota. Draft Twitter darling, uh, one of the most productive wide receivers in the last few years in, in the Power Five conferences, and he goes to Tampa, and it's it's interesting because he certainly is, is my favorite of the day three wide receivers that the Bucs have taken in the last few years. They've taken Justin Watson, who was also a production draft Twitter darling, but it's produ- it, that was production at like Princeton or wherever the heck he went. <laughs> and and then we had uh, Scotty Miller, who I don't know why – I don't think anybody actually liked him last year. And then now for the third year in a row, they invested day three pick-a-wide receiver, and it's Tyler Johnson. Now the Bucks are known for obviously having one of the best weapon cores right now uh, at the disposal of Tom Brady. And I'm not sure – uh, when or where Tyler Johnson is getting an opportunity, I don't think it's in 2020. Uh, outside of just out, absolutely outplaying Scotty Miller and uh, and Justin Watson, uh, I, Justin Watson's probably not going to make the team. So basically, Scotty Miller. Um, <laughs> and so I I like Johnson. I'm just wary of when he's actually going to see the field.
2: Yeah, he to me right now is probably the guy. I'm, I, I mean, I I'd love tyler johnson I, he was a lot of folks i mean he was in the conversation for like top three top five wide receiver in this ridiculous class and then the drafts did they just said you know what between the senior bowl and then all of well, everything and combine that have, and combine it didn't go very well for him but you can't take away his college production you can't take away the tape you can't you can't take away any of it because he really is a very good wide receiver and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna to be tough sledding in the short term, obviously with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, you know, pretty much controlling all of the the targets, and obviously them adding Gronk, still having uh, a very hopeful OJ Howard, and you know, I mean, maybe he carves out, I mean, he should carve out that wide receiver three role, but for right now, he's a stash. I mean, he, he's about as good as a stash can be because of what the tape shows what the numbers show what everything shows aside from his showing up to the combine and senior bowl everything is there to make you say wow this this guy's really good you know he's not the explosive guy like a lot of the guys in this category they're either only explosive or they're really good at football and not explosive that's kind of what we're working with here so yeah, Tyler Johnson for me is, is like my ideal stash. I'm getting him anywhere I possibly can. I think I've traded up in like four or five, maybe six drafts to get him, and uh, I'll continue to do so. And
1: before we talk about another former Debbie favorite, uh, we'll talk about our
2: sponsor. That's right, our friends at Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7. Or you can participate in the $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, which is a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BlueWire to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all of the action. online, your online wagering solution. So
1: this is a bit of a uh, bummer one, uh, and. Maybe not for me because I really wasn't even a huge Eno Benjamin fan. Uh, I no, did end up with was. one share accidentally. What? Nobody was. I, well, no, I, I really wasn't. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I put all my Arizona State stock into Nikhil Harry. And then after that, Aook. <laughs> but Eno Benjamin, se- seventh-round pick, staying in the state of Arizona. Um, to a team that, you know, Arizona is one of those hot offenses that when someone goes there, it's like, eh? Maybe we got a shot here, folks. Uh, Eno Benjamin uh, going to the Arizona Cardinals. He was a Debbie favorite, like like I've mentioned. But outside of that, that's really all I can say. <laughs> that's the only reason why he's on this list. Um, that's why some people are stashing him right now. Do you have any hope for Eno
2: Benjamin Truthers? I mean, if if I thought he was good, I, I would say like, yeah, get. I'm definitely getting on the wagon. It's another guy that I just, I don't see it. I understand because of the landing spot. And there was some, we can call them flashes in college. I just don't see a consistent, definitely not every down back, but even like carving out a full-time role as like a 1B or an RB2 that gets enough touches to be relevant. Like I said, I get it. You know, if Kenyon Drake goes down and they don't want to rely on Edmonds or whoever the backup is and and Eno ends up being the guy, sure. I, I'm okay missing on that. The draft stock's not there. It's all name value at this point because Eno was a, a Debbie name. He was a guy that people talked about like three years ago. But it got colder and colder and colder. Because he just didn't show up on tape, it didn't show up on the field, and I just I, I I get it, but I don't see it. Not with the not with the draft capital on a seventh rounder.
1: Yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, pretty pretty much the the seventh round draft capital put the death knell in his dynasty value for me. I think I might have end up with one share with him being like a dollar in an auction, but outside of that, uh, nothing for me on that end. Joshua Kelly, another player I don't think I have any shares of because he was going a little bit higher than I was expecting him to after being a fourth, fifth round pick and now going to a situation that it's interesting because the Chargers, it's really tough, tough to analyze an offense from a fantasy or dynasty perspective when you don't know if it's going to be good or not yet. You know, you have Tyrod Taylor early on. I like Justin Herbert. Some others disagree with that. Um, So, you know. Herberg has to show if this Chargers offense is one to invest in for the future.
2: Yeah. I, again, I, I don't think Kelly's that guy. He's fast. Um, <laughs> that's I'm trying to be positive, but there, there's not a whole lot. I mean, there's a reason he was a two star. He, he, he doesn't bring a whole lot to the table. You know, he, he's got the perfect build for an nfl running back if we want to again continue with the positivity I, I just think he's kind of a basic nfl journeyman somebody that can make rosters but won't ever really be relevant
1: yeah and eckler has kind of already proven uh even before melvin left that he has workhorse capability and i see that being the case in 2020 um so yeah for now uh i am Faith Kelly, and I think that he might be a guy that's possibly like on uh, on your waiver wires by midseason. <laughs>
2: well, and I think if you're genuinely considering taking Joshua Kelly at any point, try to trade that pick for Justin Jackson, who's going to be get way more use.
1: There you go. Next, we'll go on to a productive wide receiver in Antonio Gandy Golden, who was selected by the Redskins in the fourth round. Goes to a uh, wide receiver core that is kind of wide open after uh, wide receiver one and Terry McLaurin. Uh, Gandy Golden was very productive at the college level, almost 1,400 yards in 2019 at Liberty, 17.7 yards per catch, 10 touchdowns each the last two years. So lots of production coming from him. Obviously, it's uh, you know lower level competition uh, w- with the the product production, but I, I see an opportunity for him here.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's not exactly going into the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> where they have three high-end players. There's, there's not a whole lot, you know. Terry McLaurin, if you want to throw Kelvin Harmon in that discussion. Outside of that, I mean, they really don't have any red zone guys, and it, I mean, you couldn't really pick a better person to have as your, as your red zone guy. Kind of the highlight real player. It's either amazing or. Awful. Uh, if he can find a way to make more of the amazing, then yeah, I, I think I think he might have one of those dart throws that ends up hitting somewhere around that middle of the board <laughs> end up getting that maybe the outer ring of the bull'seye is what is what uh, a good old AGG is here. yeah, obviously the the athleticism with the speed acceleration that's that's not exactly. Uh, what we're looking for for the folks that live and die by the combine and things like that. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely opportunity. Uh, I'm imagining Washington's probably going to be throwing the ball a little bit. And you can pretty much chalk up McLaurin as really the only guy with an, a true role. And that's honestly it. You'd like to think Calvin Harmer is going to find his way in there. But I don't think he did anything last year. That's like, yeah, he's definitely the number two there. So there's opportunity for sure. If you're chasing opportunity, which that's one of those sticky points that actually works, chase opportunity. Because a lot of the times it ends up being there. At this point, yeah, I mean, AGG in the late mid late third, that's that's a really good a really good dart throw for me.
1: Yeah, and obviously it, he Dwayne Haskins soured us a little bit at the beginning of the season with. Some poor performances, but he did end the season with, you know, a couple of good performances with a uh, a 67 percent completion percentage, 261 and two touchdowns. And then before he got hurt uh, in the Giants game, he had 133 and two touchdowns. So there was certainly, uh, you know, some upside shown from Haskins, even if it was an absolutely terrible offense that he was in. And they're trying to build it up, um, get some offensive line help. Obviously, Trent Williams was out the whole year and uh you know they traded him but i'm I'm pretty sure they drafted uh some some offensive linemen (laughs) anyways and they didn't draft tight end so uh they still don't have any tight ends so that lends credence to the guy who's hey thad
2: moss went there all right pal
1: (laughs) that bloodline (laughs) yeah that thad moss he was still waiting for that zoom (laughs) (laughs) all right uh now let's wrap up the show with uh One guy who you won't be, I mean, obviously in dynasty drafts you'll be drafting him, but a guy you will not be drafting in redraft, a guy you won't be looking at in redraft until there's an injury. Jalen Hurts, quarterback, Oklahoma via Alabama, going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now we're looking at Jalen Hurts and talking about Jalen Hurts here because the upside that he has if he plays, because he has that rushing upside, he has, uh, you know, the deep throw ability, and so. If there's a Wentz injury, Hertz can get fantasy relevant real quick.
2: Yeah, I mean he's he's good enough on the ground where that upside's definitely there. He, I mean he's not the best of of passers, which isn't exactly a great starting sentence when we're talking about quarterbacks. He's certainly not like a precision type guy. He he's not going to be threading needles and and you know super throwing like perfect touch everywhere he can he, he he could be a good zone offense type quarterback. He he can make those types of throws with big windows if he's got good route runners or players schemed open well. He can make base throws. I I wouldn't lean on him to make big time big time throws. You know, the the decision making isn't always beautiful. We saw him have some brain farts here and there. Um but he got better as his career went on. Obviously, with the you know the the transfer during his his career going from Alabama to Oklahoma, and and you know getting getting to work in that Oklahoma offense, we got to see more of his strengths. We got to see you know players getting schemed open, him not necessarily throwing them open, but them just being there. And obviously, when you have a high end guy like Ceedee Lamb, that helps. When you have uh, you know, probably one of the best, if not the best, play caller and offensive mind in college football. And Lincoln Riley obviously helps. We saw what he could do with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. So, I mean, he he could make that leap. I don't ever see him being an amazing quarterback, but from a fantasy perspective, he has some a pretty good ceiling because he, like I said when I before I got off on the tangent here he's he's scary enough on the ground and and good enough as a runner that that's probably where your big time upside is even if he can just be middle of the road as a passer turn into a game manager with the scary uh, ground game we'll take that because that's free points
1: for sure yeah so that wraps up for today's nice Trade Cast. Uh, make sure to check out all those late-round rookies and hopefully fade the ones we said to fade, and hopefully we hit on the ones we said to hit. Um, I, I haven't come up with – I don't think I did one last year, but uh, for those that are new to the podcast, um, I, I made a, an, an off jab about talking about picking up Tyreek Hill around this time uh, a few years ago. And I was laughed at by my co-host Eric Bertschaff and Dan Sanyo saying, "Why would anyone even thinking about taking Tyree Kill?" And then since then, I've been doing uh, picks like that the last couple of years, and it says something about those picks that I don't remember who they are, so they <laughs> they probably aren't in the NFL anymore.
2: But you'll always remember the Tyree call.
1: I also I'll also remember that the like the day so I, I picked him up in Kadush, the the league that Dan and I play in, uh. That, that's what led me to make that call. And then he didn't make my roster cut down. <laughs> but then whose
2: team did he end up on? <laughs> oh, I think I ended up with him and then I traded him for way less than he was worth. So that's <laughs> always fun.
1: There we go. That, that'll that wrap us up for today's nice Trade Cast, his Radio. All right, everybody, please stay safe. Please, uh, you know, speak if you'd like to speak. Do what you need to do. And we appreciate uh, all of your love
2: and any el- anything else Dan. Support your communities, like we said, make your voice heard, and uh, let's start spreading some love. We need to we need to get away from the hate. Let's all work together.